to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, and independent RPG podcast. I am your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. Um, at the time of this recording, by the time it is heard, I hope you have all remembered to Tina Turner your clocks back because it is daylight savings time is over. A worthwhile PSA. We also have Eric Van Allen, our newest co-host. I'm a Tina Turner, my eyes into the back of my head for one extra hour. It's going to be great. This is my favorite. I don't care if it's getting darker sooner. This this time of year rules. We get one free hour to do whatever we want with. It's chaos. Nothing but darkness up here. And who is our special guest? You asking me? (laughs) (laughs) You are very special today. You're the special boy. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm super Derek. Uh, I have a, a YouTube channel where I talk about uh, role playing games and uh, review a bunch of stuff new and old. And uh, I too cannot wait to uh, to fall back into uh, some some puns for common discussion. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I've been watching Derek's reviews for quite some time. I've been meaning to get him on the show to talk about classic RPGs because he does a great job with them over on his YouTube channel. But funny thing, as you may recall, a few episodes ago, I started some uh, some shit with the Legend of Dragoon community by tweeting about how I didn't <laughs> think it was a very good game. And that sparked a whole Reddit thread and lots of responses. And I was like, I feel really bad about punching down. And then somebody tagged in Derek into that thread. And I was like, hey, Derek, come on the show and defend Lender Dragoon. And he was like, sure, why not? And here we are. Yeah, sounds like a good evening. <laughs> sounds like a delightful evening talking about the classic RPG question mark from 2000. <laughs> I look forward to it. <laughs> question mark, two question marks. But before we get to that, of course, if you enjoy the show, do us a favor. Leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. Follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. Eric is at Cmoosi, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. And hey, Derek, uh, where on Twitter can we follow you? And also, what's your YouTube channel? Uh, so my YouTube channel is just SuperDerekRPGs, youtube.com slash SuperDerek. You can also find me at Twitter at uh, SuperDerekRPGs. Excellente. And of course, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod. And it keeps this podcast going. It pays off all of the expenses. And for the cost of a cup of coffee per month, you can get access to all of our episodes ad-free and a week early. And of course, we have lots of other great content. We just did the Parasite Eve episodes for Pantheon of the Blood God with Jeremy Parrish, Nadia. We did. That was a lot of fun. I always like getting together with Parrish and, and talking with him. When you're there, too, it feels like the olden days, the very, very olden days of US Gamer. Oh, yeah, we were definitely vibing. It was good times. Yeah, that's why I always love appearing on Retronauts and stuff with Parrish. It's just, uh, God, I've known him since 2004, so we have a, a, a thing going, I suppose. Excellent times. And coming up this Wednesday, we have an episode-by-episode episode ranking of Cowboy Bebop with Henry Gilbert of Talking Simpsons and What a Cartoon fame. So, oh, so much content, capital C content on this podcast. But before we get to all of that, Derek, do me a favor. Like we talked very briefly about your show and like what you mean to RPGs and everything. But I was wondering if you could introduce yourself more fully and tell us like what do RPGs mean to you and how did you get into this wonderful genre? Absolutely. Sure. Uh, a little bit about myself. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll do the generic thing and just say I'm super Derek. I make thoughtful and thought provoking videos for gamers who love RPGs. 
And uh, basically, that's kind of what I intend to do is to bring kind of like a nuanced approach to talking about the role playing game genre uh, as it relates to all forms of discussion, reviews and otherwise. Uh, and I was actually introduced to RPGs through Earthbound of all games, which oh, is nice. There you go. Kind of an interesting like lampoon. That's the... a very yeah. That's a very inter- uh, interesting entry point because I always found Earthbound to be even as much as I love it, it can be a difficult RPG to get into because that first hurdle before you get <clears> Paula <throat> that can be <clears throat> a difficult entry point. Oh sure, the first time I played it, I threw it in my closet because I didn't understand <laughs> it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I went to uh, I went to a used game shop and I was like, I want more games like uh, like. Uh, uh, Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past, please. And he's like, oh, you might be interested in this one. And so, you know, I played it on the, the, the you know, a kiosk beforehand. You know, you get you get a few minutes in and, you know, not really a whole lot happens until, you know, a little while in. Right. So yeah, I didn't yeah. even get to my first battle. I just like opened up a present. I'm like, oh, cool. I, I got a bat. I get to I get to swing <laughs> a bat later. Things. Yeah. <laughs> so Good start. So that was my expectation going in is this is like Zelda, right? Uh, uh, and then I bring it home and I eventually get to my first battle and I'm like, what? I didn't what equip is going anything. On? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have anything <laughs> equipped. I died. I'm like, well, this game's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't return it. It's actually a really good move that you kept it. But why did you decide to give it another try? It was a long summer break where I basically exhausted all of my other options. And I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah. well... Well, Earthbound, it's just you and me. Let's figure <laughs> this thing out. Mm-hmm. And uh, and eventually it, it clicked, you know. And and by the end of the game, which I won't spoil, but there was a, a certain method used to uh, to defeat the final boss. And and that really just kind of solidified right. the, the, like the, uh, I, I don't want to talk too much about it, right? But I mean, it's it's like a 40, well, not 40, but 30 year old game at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it it's it just still blows my mind. Uh, I, that, I know what you're talking about. Connection it is, with the player. Yeah, and, it is very special. Yeah, you got an amazing collection behind you. It's like yeah, you so do. many games. Holy cow! Oh, thanks. <laughs> and I'm always impressed because you were like, "Yep, I went and beat this so oh, sixty odd hour RPG, and now here's a video about it." And I'm like, I admire your commitment to your craft, uh, my friend. Yeah, that is that is something that kind of. Uh, that is, I, I think maybe a little bit unique about my channel is that I don't necessarily start writing my reviews about them. I'll do an impressions video after like a few hours, but, uh, until I beat a game, I won't actually start talking about it and giving my impressions or my, my full review of it. Um, mm-hmm. my channel was kind of inspired by, you know, back in the early day, well, early days for me, at least of RPGs back in the, you know, uh, early aughts, it felt like a lot of games were a lot of turn-based rpgs we're getting criticized for having turn-based combat oh yeah yeah uh, we remember those times very well we talked about them on here <laughs> yeah and and it just really frustrated me because it's like it's like complaining about mario games because they had too much jumping right yeah exactly you're absolutely right so so anyways i'm like well i want to do this genre proper because it's been done dirty for so long and right they're so they're so in, uh, story heavy that i feel like talking about them without playing through the whole thing would be kind of like giving a book report after a couple of chapters i mean that's what it feels like to me and i won't judge i mean i know that like with like the review cycle right like you don't get nearly as much time to to dedicate to a single game uh which is really unfortunate but uh that's just kind of what i try to do to sort of separate myself from 
the way a lot of other people approach reviewing RPGs. And I still will do impressions videos, uh, yeah. first impressions, that sort of thing. But but yeah, I, I feel like there's a, a pretty big distinction there for me, at least. I do admire the, the way and the reason why you got into this whole thing when the aughts were such a such a dark time for RPGs and everyone was criticizing them for daring to be anime and turn-based. And you said, mm-hmm. okay, well, you know what? I'm going to make... Like, What year did you start, really? Do you remember? Oh, it's been eight years. So 2013 now. Is- yeah, yeah. So that would have been a, oh, a good yeah. time to start yeah. because RPGs were starting to heal, but they were still in a very bad place. Mm-hmm. Nature was beginning mm-hmm. to heal. Nature was beginning to heal. <laughs> We got Nino Kuni. It was something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that around that time, Xenoblade had just started coming out, or at yes, least when yeah. I was that starting. It came out 2012. Yeah. So end of 2012. So, yeah. Or was it middle? I don't like know. Like the beginning it, yeah. of a new renaissance of, of Operation RPGs. Rainfall started it all, right? Yeah. yeah. It really yeah. changed the mood a bit. For sure. Well, Derek. Usually the way we start this episode is we talk about what we're playing, what our sacrifice to the Blood God is, and since you're our special guest, what have you been playing? Lately, I have been playing Trails to Azure, the really? Ooh, oh, import. Yeah. Yeah, it's an It's an import that was recently announced that uh, NISA is actually going to be bringing it to the West, and uh, it's a duology of, of titles that's coming in 2022 and then 2023. And it's really exciting because they're actually doing something that I've not seen very often before, but so many fans have been wanting is to see these localization companies actually utilizing that fan translation Mm -hmm. as the basis for the official localization. They're actually teaming up with the the Geofront team, which is mind-blowing, right? Because like you heard, I mean, I'm sure you've heard about the Mother 3 fan translation. Oh, absolutely. I played it. It's fantastic. Yeah, Clyde uh, Tomato has like they've offered this to Nintendo to like bring to to use for free to bring Mother Three to the West or at least as a basis. Yeah, and that would be phenomenal. But that would be, but Nintendo would never do that. That's not their style. Sure. Yeah, but to see a company actually do that to to accept that offer to to team up and yeah, that's great. uh, It's just incredible. It's the kind of thing that I mean, you're old school RPGs. The kind of thing you don't you didn't think you'd ever see happen in this community it's really cool yeah to see and and because it's like such a labor of love for all these uh fan localizers mm-hmm. uh it's it's just feels like such a win for like the little guy you know to to see almost kind of like a i don't know almost like a uh legitimizing sort of thing i mean yeah to be fair geofront patches the ones that i've played so far and the one i'm playing right now really kind of raise the bar for what a fan translation can be. Right. Uh, so, I mean, I don't feel like they needed to be legitimized, but I feel like this definitely kind of acts as a, a little step forward for the fan localization community. I think it helps a lot in making like the cost of it all make sense too, because you think about an RPG or visual novels, like two of the largest things that you could try and translate over here. Uh, when a lot of the groundwork is already laid down and you're kind of just going back and checking everything versus having to do a lot of like the raw work that Geofront has already done up front. Oh, it for sure. makes it that much easier. And then you're kind of looking at resources that might be in between projects that you could then move in and say, hey, you know, we're not going to be hitting another game for a little bit. So why don't y'all step in here and help with this and then move on to the next thing? <laughs> it, it all makes it make a lot more sense. And even then we're seeing a lot more fan stuff 
get involved. Like, uh, I mean, Sonic Mania is an obvious yeah. example of oh, like yeah. a fan team getting involved with larger stuff. So I think there are definitely some studios, especially with older, older IPs that they're not really utilizing as often anymore or for like side games like the Trails series where they can be like, OK, we're focused over here. But if we can siphon off just enough resources to make this thing happen and bring it to Steam where it's not going to take much resource to get on there either, like everybody wins. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's as they say, it's free real estate, right? Obviously, Trails to Azura, which was known as how new <laughs> sorry. How no Kiseki back in 2011. Long time coming for oh, Trails mm-hmm. fans. Yes. Derek, are you a big Trails fan? And if you are, what's your favorite game in the series? Wow. Uh, so I was only recently introduced after years of begging from Kiseki fans to <laughs> uh, to finally start playing them. <laughs> mm-hmm. I started my first at the beginning of uh, 2020. And I'm now five games in. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, you can say they probably sucked me in a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, Classics. I've not played any of the Cold Steel games yet. So as of right now, uh, my favorite that I've finished is probably got to be Trails in the Sky the Third, Mm. which just has a really interesting sort of uh, flow to it. You know, it's it's almost you could. It's really weird. (laughs) It's a really weird entry, and I don't know how to describe it succinctly, but um it it feels like it was developed trying to recycle a lot of resources from the original two games right but at the same time it also wraps up so much uh it it ties up so many loose ends that i feel like it's still worth it and the cadence of the the game the uh the the gameplay cycle is a lot tighter in it mm-hmm. and i really appreciate it for that Note to self, when we inevitably do a Trails Pantheon episode, we'll get Derek on here. Oh, absolutely. I'm down for it. Y'all have fun with that. (laughs) (laughs) We're dragging you in too, Eric. Steal yourself. I don't got 90 hours. (laughs) Eric, what are you playing? Uh, Well, I have two things I'm playing. One of them I will mention at the tail end of this in order to facilitate an excellent transition from one person to the next. So. The first one, London of Dragoon remake, (laughs) you know, I just real deep in the PS one classics this week. No, um, uh, the first game I I tried out. So it's kind of for me personally, this is like a slow month outside of Shin Megami Tensei. There's not a lot coming out this month that I was like super anticipating. You know, I'm not really getting into the Call of Duty, the Battlefield. Forza. So Forza, I think I have to play because uh, for for game of the year consideration and all that sort of thing. But and this one looks like it's the one to try out if you haven't played one before, because it just looks real purdy and all that. It looks really nice. uh, So in my game of the year catch up, I had heard about a little game called Unsighted, and I decided that it was time to give Unsighted a little bit of my time. And that game... I, I phrase it in two ways. That game is very interesting and very, very difficult. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm working my way into it. Have you all talked about it on the podcast yet? We haven't. Don't it's think we have. It's kind of a Metroidvania. Honestly, yeah. It's, but... it's like a Metroidvania. It's like it does have RPG elements. It I'd almost like call it a Zelda like to it's. Honestly, the closest thing I'd say it is, it's it's like if Nier Automata 
and hyper light drifter had a small indie child and and gave it to the world <laughs> that might be uh, kind of cool because i loved hyper light drifter it's it's a lot of that style of hyper light drifter it's also about sad robots so if you're into that <laughs> everything's from, from about sad Armada. robots these days i don't blame the robots for being sad so it's 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 top down. You've got stats that you're building up over time. Uh, it's got kind of a similar thing to Automata where you have kind of a chip system where you're slotting things in to upgrade yourself over time and you can build up the ability to hold more chips, that sort of thing. The thing that really got me and made me go, OK, this is doing something interesting. I need to see more of this is you get a certain way in and you realize that not, not only are you an android, but all the people around you are androids. And it's the humans that are attacking the android city and trying to like take control of them and like put them back into servitude and under their thumb and all that. And the the androids are trying to hold out. Uh, the androids need this like meteor dust called anima to retain their sentience. Otherwise, they lose their sense of self and become unsighted. And they basically become monsters that will attack anything around them. Every character in this game has a ticking time clock over them. That's like X number of hours until unsighted. Mm. And it's it ticks like in real time. That's really stressful and creepy. Uh, and you have it, too. And so <laughs> of course you do. It, it becomes this thing where there's kind of all this anima off to the side as you're going around. You're doing this very straightforward quest of gather the five gems to unlock this thing to access the final area. And so all that's going on. It's very Zelda dungeon esque where it's kind of all over the map and you need to go to different places. And people call it a Metroidvania, I think, because you kind of accrue different movement abilities. But they're also like very centrally located because of how the map is laid out. So I really feel like it is a Zelda influence in there but that constant worry of how do i get enough dust to make the people that i'm building up social like literal social links with like hearts and stuff over time and doing quests for and doing stuff for who are giving me weapons who are who are merchants who are selling me things who are people that i'm talking to and developing budding relationships with who gets to live <laughs> who gets <laughs> the medication because when they go berserk Guess who has to put them down? That's right, you do. <laughs> so this sounds very Yoko Taro inspired. It is near. It is, and everybody I everybody dies. No happy robots ever. So, so I will say, if all of that sounds terrifying to you, they do have a mode that basically turns off the timers, so you can just play the game as is. And there's so they really don't just randomly explode because you can't see the the numbers, or they just turn them off. Right, right. Okay. They, base, they they turn it off. It's called like exploration mode or something like that. And they tell you up front, they're like, hey, if doing this stresses you out too much, you know, flip this on and you can just play the gameplay part of this because it is genuinely a very good action RPG. It's got really good gameplay. It's like I said, it's very difficult, Um, like really good. I, I don't want to pull out the comparison to the game that we're all thinking of right now. <laughs> um, lots of Banjo good, Kazooie. Yeah. Yeah. Banjo Kazooie, Banjo Kazooie parrying and dodging <laughs> and utilizing different weapons, blasters. The guns have active reload on it, which I always love. Active reload is not Me used too. often enough, uh, but it's, I honestly, I thought about it and I put it on normal and, and kept it with the timers. And I'm so glad I did because it just adds so much to this game. And, and they tell you, they're like, we baked this game 
with the timers in mind, with all this stuff in mind. So we'd like it if you gave that a chance. And I'm glad I did. That being said, this game is horrifically difficult and every time you die you lose hours and so i'm Uh, always like stressed about dying because not only is that like oh i gotta go back and then i gotta work my way back from the checkpoint and pick up my resources and try to move forward but now the people back home are losing time too (laughs) and it's it's cool the it, it does that thing where you're playing a game and you're like, this is doing something. This is really like going for something and it's going for it with its full What's force. This? I, I'm feeling something. I know. I'm feeling inspired. I'm feeling My motivated. Black heart has stirred. <laughs> I feel alive. And notably developed by two trans women from yes. Brazil, which is pretty cool. Uh-huh. And I think it That's got nice. onto a lot of people's radars because initially it was getting really good reviews on Steam, mm-hmm. but being largely ignored by the broader gaming oh, media. Yes. Okay, yeah. I remember that tweet. Yeah. 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 And so, then uh, there's a good tweet yeah. then. And I will say good if you tweet. Very good tweet. I mean, that plus a very good review over on Kotaku.com that mm. delves into some of this aspect from a trans perspective is very, very good. Y'all should read it. It's basically what convinced me that I was like, okay, this is something that is worth my time and I need to set aside time for it. And I'm glad I did. So uh, Unsighted is another one of those indie darlings that I hope sticks around for a game of the year discussion because uh, it's definitely on my radar now and a potential list entry for me uh, if I can get farther into it. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, besides that, the last three days have been Animal Crossing, Animal Crossing. It's only been two it's days animal actually, but time. it feels like three. <laughs> Do you remember when Joel? Did the sex dungeon that was great the the bungeon the bungeon that Who was can fantastic forget the bungeon nadia this is this, there are children listening this Why? podcast is not rated m for your mom uh yeah, yeah it's a classic yeah i put like 500 hours into that game when i should be playing rpgs or something i mean it's good though so the the dlc the update that they added added a ton of cool stuff i love all that but the update the the dlc part of the update Uh, I was playing it today and last night and the idea of just giving you free reign to make a home and not have to worry about bells or whether you've got the right stuff in the shop or whether you've got enough of the stuff in the shop. And I know this was happy home designer was a game on the three DS, I think. Yes, Um, I think. And it was, I know it existed before, but putting it onto new horizons and then adding in the ability to, you can get a bunch of new furniture and stuff by doing the happy home designer stuff. And then like just having the free reign to make all these little plots and houses and make them very focused and specific, but not be like tied down to that as your own house. Like, Oh, that's pretty freeing. That that sounds kind of cool. It's scratching a real good itch for me where I made this super gamer room last night. Or no, this is this morning. It's been a blur of Animal Crossing this week. <laughs> uh, I made like a super gamer room. And then the next client I got wanted a sick workout place. So I put football stadium lights on the outside of his house. <laughs> and I was just like, let's go for it. <laughs> 4 a.m. just flooding light everywhere. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I was I was bummed he didn't have a I wanted to put like a pitching machine on the front yard so he could be like because it was on it was basically on an island. So I was like, what if he had a pitching machine? And it's like people who hit golf balls into the ocean, but instead he's like thwacking baseballs out there. It's not fiscally responsible to do or environmentally responsible to do, but it is cool. And really that's what it's about at the end of the day. So I 
I like Animal Crossing again. I'm back in full force. Uh, some very nice people have been donating to the cause of fixing up Xanarkand, my island, <laughs> so we can get to three stars. Uh, oh my god, you're not even at three stars? No, because all I did was trade turnips and go to other people's islands. I have an image saved on my phone of Lenny from The Simpsons sitting there at the table surrounded by turnips being like, please don't tell people how I live. <laughs> uh, it's That was me. Like My house was a place where I could store turnips and tarantulas for making money. Tarantulas. And then I lost all my money once Tom Nook was like, it's going to be 7.5 mil to upgrade your house. So, uh, yeah. Animal my, Crossing. My new band name is Turnips and Tarantulas. <laughs> turnips and Tarantulas. Derek, I know you spend a lot of time playing RPGs, but do you get a, ever get a chance to get away and play games like Animal Crossing? No. <laughs> I understand. I've looked well, at it once. My wife plays Animal Crossing and she really enjoys it, but mm. no. It's fine. It'll uh take over your life as yeah, it is. You're making yeah, you're making taking over mine. I used to have free time. I used to play Dota. That was my time sink. Now I'm Oof. now I've just traded one for another with Animal Crossing. <laughs> well, I'm also playing Animal Crossing, but I it's now the monthly game club for this month is Persona 5. Yes. Yeah. And I'm back. I'm back on it. I finally got through. I finally got through the pyramid. I was going to say, so did long. you get through the damn pyramid? All right. Good for you. Got through the pyramid. You're on your way again. That's the I'm hardest part of the game. On my way. Love Futaba. Futaba's the best. Uh, I, for some reason, I just really vibe with Futaba. Like, I, I can't, can't understand why, Kat. <laughs> yeah, there's just something Not about like her. Not like a two peas in a pot or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, so it feels good to be back. And every time I put down Persona 5 and then pick it back up again on this lonely four-year quest to finally finish that game, <laughs> I'm like, why do I put this game down? I really like it. So I'm just yeah. kind of nibbling through it. I feel really hopeful that I'm going to be able to get through it uh, at the end of the month. Uh, Derek, I'm sure you have plenty of opinions on Persona 5. Oh, absolutely. Uh, my main opinion is, man, I really wish I could find the time to play persona 5 the royal <laughs> yeah. oh my god yeah. me too yeah. yeah that's what i'm playing through right now and i'm stuck in the hamburger factory still i hate that level so much but actually <laughs> this week i've been uh, i haven't felt very well so i went back to a comfort game and that was uh dragon quest builders 2 yeah and i was like oh i'll just you know start and futz around for a bit then next thing i know i'm like clearing away furrow farm and growing huge ass fields and just it's such a comforting, comforting game. It's like I one of my favorite games of all time. If I don't get a Dragon Quest Builders three, I will absolutely riot because in the streets, in the streets. Because you think about the feedback loop in Dragon Quest mm -hmm. Builders is so perfect, and it's so ridiculous because okay, you start with like uh, you have to feed your villagers so they will work for you, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they can work even without the food because they're good little like you know slaves or whatever they are. But if you feed them, they will poop. And if they poop, you can use that poop for fertilizer yeah, and use can. it to grow green grass. And it's like, that's ridiculous. That's amazing. And then you go to another island and do it all over again with different resources. And then you take all that stupid crap you learned back to your island mm -hmm. and make some crazy ass paradise from hell. And it's just fantastic, fantastic game. I think it's I know we had that big fight about it being one of the best of the decade. But uh, <laughs> who was it who was defending it? Mike, me and were you there? I was, Eric, I was yeah. Okay. I love Dragon Quest Builders. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we were just defending the, the hell DQ out of this Builders game. Two Mafia US Gamer mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it was like between that or Minecraft. And I'm sorry, I love no, Minecraft. It was, I Minecraft appreciate... was not on the the block for that one. Minecraft because was... we were Minecraft arguing. Was on the list. It, yeah. we were arguing if it belonged if it belonged there versus like Dragon Quest did, Builders yes. Two. So no, it's never going to let me forgive that too. No, that I never was... will. It's a fantastic. I gotta say, it's just been like you know, it basically the change of the seasons are really hard for me because fibromyalgia really really flares up. So I've been mm-hmm. feeling kind of sick and sore, and it's just been a really good game to have you know with me during this great great change of the seasons. What was that? Nadia's insane paradise from hell? Mm-hmm. Something like that. <laughs> that's what our, that's what I'm calling our next par- podcast. <laughs> the first time I played Dragon Quest Builders, one of the first things I did was like make a sign that said, "We all want to die. We're me seeks," and I put it <laughs> in the village. Before we continue, any plans to see Eternals this weekend? Nah. 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 It's all right. I, it doesn't deserve the hate. There's too many movies that I want to see right now. Like, mm. I, yeah. I wanted to see Last Night in Soho, and then I heard kind of mixed things see about that. it. And then I heard I wanted to see No Time to Die, and I heard mixed things about it. And then I wanted to see maybe Eternals, but honestly, like nothing about Eternals really jumps out at me. I'm not. It's a, very gay. Okay, <laughs> I mean, it's, that's neat, but I I don't care about any of those characters in the first place. So, and I also oh, yeah. there's something weird about seeing Angelina Jolie in an MCU movie. I feel like that is she's maybe, cool in that movie. Maybe this is me. Pers- I'm sure she's a perfectly good actor in that role and everything. But for me, that's the MCU has now just like been bringing on every single major celebrity they can because I I just look at that. And I'm like, okay, that's. Angelina Jolie, that's that's Laura Croft Tomb Raider right there. That's yeah. Well, she was good as Laura. Oh, she was great as Laura Croft, but uh, that's all I will ever remember her as in my brain. That's fair. So. You're about that age that it would be like imprinted or, on you. Or lady that curves bullets <laughs> from that other movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just I I don't know I, something about that movie and it it, maybe it's where the mcu is at where they got past the thanos thing that they had been building to for literally ever yeah and now i'm it just kind of feels like okay so what's next and the answer is god i guess they're gonna kill god (laughs) this is the end of shimegami tensei this is (laughs) (laughs) the answer is uh what happened at the end of loki that's what happened. Right. Oh, I, away. I know We're that. Heading into the multiverse. I know that. But even then, that's like that's where it starts to get into the part of comics that loses me. And I just want more like friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. So I'm looking yeah. forward to that. I'm, I'm looking I'm forward to that. Spider-Man. I don't really care about the MCU. Otherwise. Watch the new oh. Spider-Man where he ends up in the multiverse. I know. But it's the fun multiverse where Norman Osborn, fingers crossed, Willem Dafoe might show up. <laughs> Seems like everybody's showing up. I I hope I I hope beyond hope that Willem Dafoe is in that because his portrayal of Norman Osborn is cinematic art and nothing will convince me otherwise. Well, let's continue on to the RPG news and the top story: Elden Ring, lots and lots of Elden Ring gameplay. Looks like an open world Souls like. Looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna end up playing it. You can go and attack bosses in many different ways. You should go watch the footage. Derek, I'm curious. This is an important question. Where do you fall on the is Elden Ring slash Soulsborne games RPGs discourse? Oh boy. Oh, you know, I feel like uh, role playing games are a bit of a spectrum. Uh, there's, uh, you know, 
gosh, this and this is something that I have talked about in videos before where I feel like this spectrum can extend all the way into something like LARPing on the extreme end of role playing uh, on through pen and paper and then into, you know, Western style RPGs. And and then you tend to kind of get a little bit more away from the roots of the genre when you're going into JRPGs uh, where you have less self-actualization and then into uh action rpgs and then into action adventure you know i feel like it's still all part of the same spectrum but i would say that i feel like it's probably on the more uh action or uh uh action adventure side of that spectrum i i i don't want to the thing about when people talk about is this is x an rpg is y an rpg a lot of people are like trying to gatekeep and yeah i feel like yeah. that's kind of like the root of this of this discussion and really at the end of the day it's just kind of like it's a fun game and it has a lot of the gameplay features that are common among certain role-playing games and that's all it really takes very open-minded i like I, that i've been told i hold all of my opinions very loosely and <laughs> i can say that's a very that. diplomatic answer <laughs> i agree <laughs> As opposed to gatekeeper Cat Bailey. Let's define <laughs> RPGs. Let's go. I think the trick to understanding the Soulsborne games is that outside of Sekiro, you can create your character, you can customize your character to the point mm. that you can break the game and make it basically meaningless. What RPG, what is an RPG if not a game in which you level up your character to the point that you can actually break the game? So. Yeah, there you go. Elden Just... Ring, get on in here. <laughs> as for Elden Ring itself, I uh, I'm gonna level with y'all. A little nervous about the difficulty. I'm probably gonna play it. I'm gonna enjoy it, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking to myself, "Oh boy, here we go again." After the Sekiro and the Dark Souls and the Bloodborne, please don't hurt me. I'm just busy. Don't have a lot of time to devote to these games. I think it'll be a good co-op game. Oh, yeah, that could yeah. be the case. I mean, most Soulsborne, that's the trick of Soulsborne games. You can just call in your friend. And and they showed that you can do it kind of like out. Obviously, they haven't like clarified exactly how it's going to work in this game. And it's been a little different for every game. But I think in Bloodborne, you basically had an item that you would just like literally ring a bell like you were calling a butler. And that would like open you up to matching with your friends. And this is maybe one of my more controversial takes, even though a lot of from soft fans will probably agree with me, but I think the multiplayer has always been too fiddly in these games. I'd rather it be just more. Let me invite my friend to my game and them join and it be that uh, because I just kind of want to team up with my pals and go fight these big Elden Ring bosses. That sounds like a good time. I'm more and more into co-op games these days, and I hope it's easy enough for that. But adding some more people to the mix seems like it might make some of those fights a little bit easier because then at least, you know, you don't have to outlive the boss. You just have to outlive your friend long enough to kill the boss. (laughs) (laughs) Don't need to outrun the boss. You just need to outrun your friend and then it's okay. (laughs) Yeah, I'll play Ellen Ring. Why not? looks cool. Everybody's excited about it. I need to be part of the discourse. Exactly. Speaking of the discourse... Shin Megami Tensei 5 reviews are out. Oh, boy. And oh, boy, we're back to the SMT and Persona discourse. Now, full disclosure, I work for IGN, and I'm not allowed to say anything. So I'm not gonna on this particular topic, except that Liana is a friend of mine, and she's awesome. And leave her the heck alone. 
I think most people would agree, though. Most decent SMT fans would agree. Okay, we are a tiny fan base. We don't want to be assholes because you're going to chase people away. You want to be welcoming. You want to say, hey, we're a little tiny group, but if you like SMT, great. If you try it because of Persona and you find it's not your cup of tea, that's perfectly fine, too. It's a very different experience. So, of course, they're going to make comparisons to Persona because that's what they came in on. That's what they're grasping to. I don't see a problem with it. Yeah, like... I, I'm out here. I got into Shin Megami Tensei through Devil Survivor, which is a video game that only Mike Williams and I seem to be out here championing these days. <laughs> <laughs> and I, everybody comes into something from something, and Persona is massively successful in a way that's not even about like Shin Megami Tensei versus Persona. Like Persona is very successful as an RPG series all its own, and yes. so especially Persona Five, and. I think any review that contextualizes that is just helping someone who has never heard of Shimigami Tensei because right. look, even Persona dumped the Shimigami Tensei thing off the front of the box. After so, what? Like two, uh, two, um, by, by three, I think it was gone. Wasn't Persona it? three called uh, itself Shimigami Tensei. Yeah, yeah. I think oh, okay. four is, I have a copy of the Vita one and I think that is the first one I remember not having Shimigami Tensei on the front. I know my copy of P5 does not have it on the front. Yeah, of course. Um, but like, like is pretty much shed the like front of box portion of that. So there are people who don't know what this other thing is. And Shin Megami Tensei is, as many people have pointed out, substantially different from Persona in many different ways. It approaches story differently. It approaches battle and combat and traversal and everything very differently. It has the same monsters and similar battle system ideas. But even then, like there are divergences in there and i think if one series is very popular and another one does not have that level of acclaim yet yes <laughs> yet <laughs> um hedging myself a little bit here uh it's it's perfectly fine to contextualize things in that way and so like did it turn into a situation where because social media is a hellhole that we all will never escape from, there was a, you know, a tweet that had some words in it that people didn't like, and that turned into a bunch of YouTubers throwing tomatoes because it's easier to throw tomatoes than to actually like engage with something on its own. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it turned into. And yeah, it's a meme. Yeah. It's everything gets memeified at these days, but it is like, yeah. it's valid. It's a valid way to view something. And I actually like that a lot of critics have been upfront in saying, I come from Persona 5. Yeah. This is how I'm seeing it. If you are also a Persona 5 fan, you have this. And if you're like a diehard Shin Megami Tensei person, there were reviews out there for you too. You probably just didn't find them because you were too busy yelling at the ones that made you <laughs> mad. So <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you. It's it's a perfectly valid way of, of looking at things. And, and y'all just got everybody calm down. Jesus. The thing I don't understand uh, the outrage about is you have people on Twitter saying, Game journals stop making, stop saying that uh, Persona is a spinoff of Shin Megami Tensei. We know that's nice that you know, but when we write mm -hmm. articles, I, I consider I basically comment an article from as someone who knows about games. I'm presenting a question, to, I'm presenting an answer to say my father, who for some mm -hmm. godforsaken reason decided randomly, I'm going to Google Shin Megami Tensei Five. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's what it is. Here is what Shin Megami is in relation to Persona. There's it's not it's just basic journalism it's not uh it's not a bad thing to do yeah the the way that i was told to do it by a very good editor once was uh basically imagine that you're talking to a friend at the bar about a video game exactly and that's what you got to do if i'm sitting down to tell 
you know, one of my friends I grew up with who plays video games, but isn't like super into games in the way Which that editor was this, Eric. This was, I think, Kirk Hamilton, at, formerly of Kotaku. I mean, you have oh, also okay. given me similar advice as well. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, that's my line. <laughs> it's, it's good advice. I think Kirk's was actually like talk like talk like you're having a conversation with someone who doesn't play video games. But it's it's good advice around the board, because guess what? Like everything is a subsection of everything. And there are a lot of people out there who are interested in video games who don't know about this stuff. And having one line that contextualizes it and says like, hey, you know, this is a like Persona is a spinoff of Shin Megami Tensei. Shin Megami Tensei is an old series. Uh, that would be how I would tell my friend about it is if he was like, yo, what's what's this SMT game? I'm like, oh, you know, you played Persona, right? It's kind of like yeah. Persona, but like not so much about social links, more about like kind of Pokemon style catching and like murdering God. So but like <laughs> well, way, so more, <laughs> way more upfront about the murdering God. They don't okay. like delay that at all. You kind That's of get true. to the God killing stuff real quick. <laughs> so I think the SMT, I think the SMT community um, if I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, just want this game to get its due mm-hmm. because fair, the, yeah. uh, the SMT games are really good. And we saw that when we talked about Nocturne on the Pantheon, right? Mm-hmm. And that includes their spinoffs like Devil Survivor and Strange Journey and all of that. But they've kind of n- never really gotten their due. So SMT5 is a big opportunity for the series because it's one of the bigger budget entries in the series it's going to be on nintendo switch it's front and center mm-hmm. in a way that smt4 and smt4 apocalypse <sighs> just were not on the 3ds and four was good it was a big moment for the series right and mm-hmm. i think everybody's just kind of hoping for the best um derek what's your take on smt5 and the reviews well yeah you know i feel like i mean providing some context is really just uh, it's just good storytelling right like telling yeah. about the story like yeah, you're probably familiar with Persona. Well, SMT is, you know, uh, it's related. And describing that relation is is really important. I mean, you can't always go really far into depth because, I mean, not every every video game franchise needs to have an entire story relayed. I mean, a lot of people might give flack for being, you know, for not mentioning, you know, how SMT was, you know, where the Persona series was birthed, birthed from. But a lot of people don't really, I mean, those same people don't really get angry when you don't, mention oh by the way shin megami tensei is a spin-off of the mega 10 title yeah, you know on, you on famicom there you go. yeah you know so it's like you got to draw the line somewhere but you mm. want to provide enough context for people that yeah it's it's on the family tree of shin megami tensei titles right mm-hmm. so i feel like uh you know making per- references to personas really just kind of laying some groundwork for some expectations and maybe stylistic uh leanings and, and things like that mm-hmm as for the reviews themselves, uh, pretty positive. Good. Very positive. Yeah, very good. Yeah. yeah, lots of eights and nines. Mm-hmm. And uh, pretty much what we were expecting, right? Uh, from an SMT5 game, really deep combat, really good customization, interesting exploration, looks very pretty. A lot uh, of people, interestingly enough, seemed kind of out on the story, which jumped out at me because Nocturne's story was excellent. I've heard some things about the performance too that made me go like, mm, mm. man, that's I, the switch. I know wish it was coming to Steam as well, but uh, could could still do this thing. But could, I think Nintendo totally helps fund yeah. the co- development. So I maybe feel like yeah, yeah, this was one of Nintendo's big ones from the beginning because as as I've said many times before, it was advertised uh, when the Switch was yeah. kind of 
brought out to the public in January of 7,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Nintendo <laughs> wrote on this game for quite a long time, yeah. too. They have. They have. Yeah. But I'm excited for SMT5. I will be playing it. But of course, Persona 5 will also be on the docket as well. But you're probably going to wondering where our SMT5 coverage is. We're going to do it next week. We're going to have special guests on. We're going to talk about it in more depth. So better get started, Nadia and Eric. You have one week to get through the entire Jesus, game. Jesus, Mary and Holy Saint Joseph. come out like, next week? Uh, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> it's not even out yet. Yeah. I was going to say. Wait a minute. You're sweating bullets right now. <laughs> we'll have a reviewer on to talk about it, and it will be good. <laughs> All right, that is it for the RPG news. It's time now to defend Legend of Dragoon. Don't go away. Okay, it's time to talk about Legend of Dragoon, and at the top of the show, I already provided some context. Yes, I sent a crappy tweet about Legend of Dragoon. Cat, cat, cat. If you're not familiar with this game, it came out in the year 2000 on the PlayStation, and a lot of people compare it to Final Fantasy because it was a big-budget RPG from Sony, of all developers. This was a very different Sony at the time, it was the JRPG arms race. Everybody wanted the next to be the next Final Fantasy VII. And I I think a lot of Legend of Dragoon fans tend to get their hackles up when this game is compared to Final Fantasy VII because it kind of is its own weird thing. It's a Super Saiyan RPG, somewhat slightly different setting, that kind of thing. But we'll get into that in a little bit. But before we do, the thing that I'm curious about, Nadia... What is your background with Legend of Dragoon? I have very little background with Legend of Dragoon. I'll let that up front because uh, you and I, of you course, skipped are... out on it when it came out. It had all that marketing. That's the thing. It had so much hype around it, and I looked at it and I said, uh, "This looks like it belongs in like 1996." Like it just <laughs> looked so Final Fantasy VII. I'm, I'm just apologizing up front, Derek, if I said anything that really kind of touch, like breaks your heart. I don't. I don't mean it. I just. <laughs> I'm just saying what I'm what I'm observing here. No, no, but, you're good. Uh, okay, that's good to know because I watched the opening for that um, game just before the podcast and I was like, oh man, this is some 90s shit right here. Some 90s. It, it was hard to imagine to watch that and imagine, wow, we were on the cusp of the PlayStation 2, put it that way. It just felt like, like you'll probably fill us in on the background, Derek, but it feels like this game almost was started around the time that Final Fantasy VII was a hit and was maybe hit with a million delays and just kind of came out when it did. And by then it was like, oh, okay, this is... um. This is certainly a, a, a game of its time. I, I don't know. I just, I did not play it. I was not impressed with it. I saw the reviews were not good, except for GamePro, who gave it a perfect. <laughs> really? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I, apparently, <laughs> if you look at the Metacritic, he gave it 100. It's like, holy crap. <laughs> so, <laughs> you go, GamePro. That's my that's my experience with uh, Legend of Dragoon. So there you are. About you, Eric? Uh, let, let me set the stage here a little bit for you. <laughs> Young Eric, just beginning to get into an anime, watching probably many anime he shouldn't have been watching at the impressionable young age of however old I was. Were you watching uh, La Blue Girl again? No, no, nothing that bad. But uh, this was when I got into Evangelion and stuff like that. Uh, And 
a lot of stuff like Blue Submarine Number Six and and other things that just aired on Toonami and the Warner oh, Brothers yeah. WB Animation Block. Uh, one of those shows was one that none of my friends liked, but I absolutely loved. I didn't actually learn the name of it until years later. It's called Knights of the Zodiac, aka Oh, that Saint was the Bowling for Soup one. Yeah, with the, with, the, with the intro with the guy from Bowling for Soup, and I ran. Everyone loved that song at the time because of uh, Vice City. It was crazy. They wouldn't shut up. That game, so so that anime was burned in my brain. I loved it. They were all like these super cool knights oh, turning into Zodiac amazing. stuff. And I go to my friend's house. He's like, dude, this this was the guy who got weird games all the time. He had a Dreamcast and a PS1, and he was the guy who introduced me to all the weird stuff. Grandia 2, Shenmue. I think I played Final Fantasy 7 for the first time at his house. Uh, so he was like an RPG guy, but he also had some weird stuff like Zone of the Enders later on and stuff like <laughs> that. Uh, he's like, I got this new game. It's called Legend of Dragoon. And I was like, okay, that sounds kind of neat. It's got a bunch of discs. More discs means better game, right? It's got more <laughs> game in it. Uh, he pulls it yes. out and puts it in. And I'm like, this is the Knights of the Zodiac game. And you can't tell me different. It's not, it doesn't link up one to one, but the, the aesthetic, the theme, like the soul of this game, like you said, Nadia, is this 90s anime shit. <laughs> and I am here for it. So no, do I barely remember how this game actually played or what the story of it was? Yeah, no, I have like no memories of that. <laughs> but but that game looked awesome all the time and really filled. I think maybe this was where the seed of Eric like anime game started. <laughs> and so I, I slightly blame Legend of Dragoon for the reason why I got into the Tales series. Let's put it that oh, way. <laughs> now we have a blame. Now we have we, a catalyst. We have a link. We we connected those dots finally. <laughs> Eric plays Legend of Dragoon and goes, boy, I sure hope this doesn't awaken anything in me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm an anime guy now. <laughs> oh, no. I bought Legend of Dragoon at launch. I owned it on my PlayStation. I played it a lot. It bored the ebbing living heck out of me. I gave it to my sister, who seemed to actually enjoy it a fair amount. And then uh, I sold it. The end. (laughs) It did not make much of an impression on me, except that it was slow and it was boring. Did not really care for the battle system. I thought it was quite ugly at the time. I thought it, for a game that came out in the year 2000 in America, 1999 in Japan, did not really stand up. Yeah, a lot of the games that were also out in that era, I believe Vagrant Story came Vagrant out. Story, before. Final Fantasy IX would have been like it around the same right time. Around yeah. the same time, we would have been yeah. we would have been seeing a lot of stuff for the PlayStation Two and the GameCube by that point because there would have been like the hype for that building up, and we probably would have been. I pro- I was probably saving my money for a GameCube at that point, so that's why I didn't buy the game. And this wasn't some charming indie operation either. This is a Sony Japan Sony. studio. Yeah, it, it was very. Um, disappointing for for sony but like what the, this is what they came up with holy is cow your, I, I forget is your sister older or younger than you cat she's younger because yeah. i have a theory that people who grew up with legend of dragoon like eric being a perfect example it probably as i said in the notes everybody Already has their first experience <laughs> yeah everybody has their first experience killing god it's very special they don't forget it and it's the same with the rpg and anime tropes you have your first time you never forget it and if Legend of Dragoon is that game that imprints on you. Who am I to say this is a stupid, shitty game? What is wrong with you? Because everyone, we all have that game that imprints on us, whether it was good or bad. You never forget your first time you kill God. 
There you go. Derek, I mean, we brought you on the show because you are a Legend of Dragoon fan. And you said in your review that it was an early RPG for you. Really, uh, you can never go home again, as it were. And you said that you were, this was like 2015, so it was a long time ago. I don't know if your feelings have evolved on it, but you seem to have fond memories of it. Yeah, yeah, I do. It was one of the very first RPGs that I played on the the PlayStation One back in the day. Like you said, uh, that that is a game that uh, that imprinted on me. I guess you mm-hmm. could say. Uh, I mean, I had played other games prior. Obviously, I played uh, I played Earthbound, and that was sort of one thing that set me off down that journey of like I need more RPGs, and I played all <laughs> kinds of good and bad. But it wasn't until. Uh, and until about the time that the PlayStation 2 was launching, that I was able to pick up a cheap secondhand PlayStation 1 and have access to cheap PlayStation 1 secondhand games. Right. Mm-hmm. And my cheap PlayStation 1 secondhand game that blew my mind was Legend of Dragoon. And it was uh it was it was the my introduction to polygonal uh RPGs ah, on the PS1. Interesting. <laughs> and you know, just like uh just like what Eric was saying. I was uh, I was keeping up with everything that was on Toonami. Uh, the Ronin Warriors was an incredible. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about Ronin Warriors. Yes. Oh my god. Yes, and I mean, of course, I grew up also watching the Power Rangers, right? Of course, oh, of course. Yeah. And, yeah. and they would always transform, and that was kind of their shtick. And and Legend of Dragoon was those things combined into RPG form, and it was slow, you could say for sure. Mm-hmm. It was it was definitely a slow combat sort of thing where, oh boy, some of those like ultimate attacks would literally be like, okay, select the attack, put the controller down, go get a drink, come back, mm-hmm. and continue when your turn, you know, is is done. <laughs> Finally arrives, yeah. But uh, but I I really enjoyed it and uh, and it was something that uh, yeah I, I guess experiencing that first and then going into like Chrono Cross and then. Final Fantasy Nine, and then eventually making my way back to Final Fantasy Seven. Uh, Seven didn't leave that impact on me that it probably did for a lot of people who were keeping up with like the Bleeding Edge at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Final Fantasy Seven was a big game for people who played it when it was new. Mm. Key key operator there, mm-hmm. uh, but if you didn't play it when it was brand new, uh, you know. You'd probably already had certain points spoiled for you. You didn't get the the full impact that uh, that you probably would if if you had experienced it brand new. Uh, but nobody was talking about Legend of Dragoons. So. <laughs> so, That's a good point. No spoilers for me. By the time you got to Final Fantasy VII, you probably knew about spoilers. Aerith dies. You know, just yeah. Oh my like, god, I mean, Nadia! Right? You did it again. Oh my gosh, my ears. <laughs> Have so. y'all ever seen that robot chicken skit where uh, the Final Fantasy characters run a burger shop? It's yes. actually yes. legitimately hilarious. And Seth Roth comes in with a tie. Mm-hmm. And instead of uh, uh, One Winged Angel, you just hear a course singing hamburger over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I seen know. that one, but it sounds good. I, I'll, I'll show you a link later because it's one of my favorite things ever. Derek, I'm curious. Like, What about this game really like stood out to you? Was it the transformation sequences, the combo system? What was it? What was it all about? I mean, at the time it was definitely the transformation system that was like the big shiny, you know, the, mm-hmm. the thing that was really neat. I mean, mm-hmm. also the polygonal graphics and the, uh, I mean, it felt like a pretty big world too at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I don't remember too much about my thoughts on it back when I first played it because I was just like, at that time, I was just consuming as many PS1 RPGs as I could because it was Good like choice. a new drug to me, right? Mm. Yes. It's like RPGs. I'm just excited for all of the RPGs. And I was just playing through all kinds. And uh, and I eventually came back and replayed it for a review in, like you said, probably about 2015. And uh, and that, that was the playthrough that I remember probably the most at this point. Uh, and I, I do think it's still probably aged pretty well, all in all. Uh, I think that of of all of its many features that, that make it stand out, uh, I feel like the transformation system is probably one of those things that really does still hold pretty unique to this time, uh, as well as the unique defend mechanic, which... Uh, and also, I guess the 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 attack additions system, which you could think about, kind of like uh, maybe an evolution of the uh, Super Mario RPG sort of system, where you would right. press button yeah. presses to yeah. continue your attacks, do more damage. Mm-hmm. Like that was pretty cool. But I felt like the strategic implementation of defend as a method of healing, because there weren't just like spells that you could cast, like Kuraga, you know, in the middle of a fight. Um, you pretty much didn't even have really a white mage in legend of dragoon uh you could use items but uh but for the most part like you couldn't just like cast a healing spell right you had to either defend which would recover uh, about i don't know maybe 10 percent of your hit points or you could um which definitely was a strategic move but it also slowed down combat because you're yeah. defending a lot mm-hmm. uh but also uh you had one potential white mage that she could only heal when you use her transformation and that in turn takes time to build up the points to do the uh, transformation so it's Mm -hmm. like yeah it's it's slow moving but it's also pretty unique and i i I do like to see the defend mechanic actually get used it's so present in so many games but aside from like decreasing the damage taken by half it's, it's definitely it's unrealized. It feels like a viable option, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, can you tell me what the story reason was for the transformations? Because I completely forget. Nope, I forgot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's cool. There's your it answer. Was, it looked neat. Yeah. <laughs> I it was, it was some, they look cool. Something uh, to do with dragons and... Uh, yeah, something about dragons and defeating them and being able to take on some of their powers. I, it's been a while. Like yeah. six years, but... Oh, Skyrim. Uh, I love Skyrim. Yeah. I like Skyrim, yeah. Yeah, like Skyrim, but, but Power Rangers instead. That's kind of a cool premise. It's too bad it didn't work out a little better. Magical girls. Hey. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like Sentai. But exactly. In RPG form, that kind of thing. I, I think that. I said it in, maybe even in the review, but I, I think I said that it was schlock, but it's our kind of schlock, or at least it's my mm. kind of schlock. You know, it's, it might that. not necessarily be like the most original set of, of ideas in the world, but dang it, it was up my alley. So that was the time when I was becoming conscious of what a cliche storm in an RPG. Yeah, actually that was definitely like. that was definitely around the time for myself, too, because I I hadn't really played RPGs that seriously until the PlayStation. So I was just, you know, digging into all of these great RPGs on the SNES and the PlayStation and all that. And then I play a Legend of Dragoon and I'm like, I feel like I've seen all of this before. The Burning Village, the (laughs) the white-haired villain, Mm -hmm. the arena where you like run into the white-haired villain. What? 
They already did this. This is just straight up lifting off from Final Fantasy. What the heck? I have to say <laughs> that the uh, fight music, I don't know if it's for every boss, but for the Divine Dragon is literally like, maybe not literally, of course, but just lifted so obviously from the boss music from Final Fantasy 7. I was just clapping my hands and laughing. <laughs> I will say. And yet. Go ahead, Eric. I was just going to say I was looking back because I was looking for the lore reason why there were transformations. And reading the Wikipedia page for Legend of Dragoon is a trip because <laughs> this game has the wildest names for things. Like somebody had to just think of them on the last day. Like they were, did you remember to name the world? Oh yeah, um, and endiness is endiness. Oh, that's <laughs> like, right. Like uh, emptiness? No, endiness. Endiness. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like the end, but emptiness. And then. They're like, okay, we got humans and dragons, right? What do we call the aggressive species who are able to fly and enslaved humans 10,000 years before the start of the game? Uh, yeah, what do they do again? They, they, they fly. Winglies. We're going to call yes. them winglies. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> oh, man. I just that actually just triggered a memory of mine of them all also just like shouting out attack names every time you would do yep. anything. Yes. Yep. Oh, that's the best part, isn't it's it? It's anime. It is anime. <laughs> it's an anime RPG. Was that the game you were playing, Eric, that you mentioned recently where someone was yelling all the time and it was pissing off a roommate or a that family was, member or something? That was Tales of Symphonia. Right. Uh, because every time you do a special attack, I mean, in any Tales game, except for the uh, even the most recent one has they a lot yelled, of yelling out of names. But I don't know. The yelling cacophony of tales is like soothing to my soul in a way I can't properly like conceptualize and verbalize, but it does something where everyone's just like screaming these names. It's always the same name. It's a very specific name for a very specific attack. And they have like 2000 of them, but that's what makes it. <laughs> that's what makes it wonderful is that they really thought like, Oh no, special beam cannon is very different from beam cannon. All right. There's two different abilities. All right. Of course, it's the science. So if you're a 10 year old watching Dragon Ball Z in 2000 on Toonami, Legend of Dragoon is just like crush it up and just snort it because yes. that's your game right there. Literally yeah. me. Literally your demographic, me. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Honestly, that's that's for years. I've been trying to be like, why is this game so beloved? I don't understand. And maybe. Maybe it's just a different age group. Yeah. How is the voice acting? Because I watched a few cinemas and I'm like, this is not terrible, but they are reading off a cereal box. Oh, it's, it's not good. So in battle, it's just people screaming out, burning rush or whatever in the cheesiest, most enthusiastic way possible. During cutscenes, though, it is freaking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, like cartoonishly bad. The worst voice acting like you like. The way I think about it is like you ever watch one of those old cartoons and they're watching a cartoon about like with some bad voice acting, then they're yes. really hamming it up. Yeah, it's like that, but unironically. Lemonade, please. <laughs> that's that's a good segue into what I feel about this game, which is I'm going to pose this question to you, Derek. There are a lot of RPGs that take themselves very seriously. You know, there's an element of like self seriousness that comes with it. Final Fantasy seven is one of the ones I would put up there where like it in remake, especially it felt like they 
got enough on to be able to do jokes about they stuff. They took the piss and all out of themselves there. Yeah. yeah. But you look at like a Witcher three and it's like, this is the Witcher. This is the, the journey of Geralt and all that, or, or, you know, any other major RPG out there. We'll kind of try and keep some element of self seriousness about it. Is this like, do you feel like they knew what they were doing? <laughs> you feel like they knew that this was, <laughs> this was RPG. This was power Rangers. This was, like we're going to be yelling out the names of attacks. It's going to be a little bit hammy, but we want to go for that versus like trying to make it appear like we're, we're taking this, you know, this is, this is very serious. This is serious business. No, let's just go full into this. I think there are some aspects of the game that where the designers themselves probably knew that they were hamming it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. There's one dragoon that you get in the, who's like a big bulky guy. Who's kind of, you know, some, some form of uh, I, God, I want to say his name is like Mongol or something, or Mongo or something like that. I don't remember for Here sure. Here comes Mongo. Kongol. Kongol is his name. Kongol. Uh, Here yeah. comes Kongol. And that yes. dude crossed over <laughs> from Beast Wars. <laughs> and and he's definitely got this very much uh, kind of uh, seriousness that he takes himself. He takes himself very seriously, but the game kind of makes him the butt of several jokes. Uh, as far as like the voice actors and stuff. I, I don't know. Gosh, it it seems like I mean even Grandia had like pretty decent voice acting, and that by was also done had by Sony, like, right? You had Legend, you had Mega Man Legends, and Le- Mega Man Legends Two, which had fantastic voice acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so it really was kind of a step backwards for Legend of Dragoon because by then people were learning how to pay voice actors, so it was getting better, and it just seemed like a real step back. Yeah, I feel like these guys were just having fun. It's what it yeah. really seems like because it's because like when. When you hear Dart say uh, "Madness Hero" and he has that like <laughs> quiver in his voice, and that, 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 <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, I think these real." He's really hemming it up on purpose. He's you can't do that by accident, can you? Mm-hmm. That's true. You got a point. I'm the world biggest Valkyrie profile stan, and let me tell you, the voice acting in that game is not good. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, this was before, like, you know, Final Fantasy was getting into voice acting and stuff. Because yeah. I mean, at the time, Final Fantasy didn't have voice. Right. Acting. They, they didn't get into it until 10. Yeah. Yeah. So Legend of Dragoon having any voice acting, uh, bad or not, especially during the battle sequences where they're actually yelling out their attacks. Kind of cool. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. That is kind of cool, but that would definitely make it Trailblazing. a... Trailblazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the best voice acting you've heard, but you have heard of it. It would be one of those uh, games that makes my father say, turn off the damn machine already, because he keeps hearing the repetitive speech. What I find interesting about this game is um, the character models aren't that great. However, the backgrounds, generally very nice, mm-hmm. very well drawn. And at the time, I think people weren't too big on the map painting like backdrops that you were seeing in games like Final Fantasy VII and Legend of Dragoon. But now in hindsight, it looks kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Like that hand-painted look. They do. They right? have a lot of charm. and Painterly. They're difficult to interact with if anything, if I learned anything from our Parasite Eve uh, Pantheon episode. But they have a, a very, very specific charm that I really appreciate because you can look at them and look at the details and really get an idea of the character that you are interacting with just through their backgrounds. And you don't get that as much with video games anymore. It was very a, a very much a specific snapshot in time that uh, I, I appreciated. Derek, you're specifically shouting them out as like a strength. 
It's been a little while since I've since I've looked at them, but what I do remember is, yeah, they were gorgeous. Some of the backgrounds were even like animated. I I do recall like it leaving such an impact on me that like certain scenes, like there's this moonlight scene where you can see mm. the moonlight reflecting on the water of an ocean behind it and stuff. And there's this sort of like uh, sandy colored tower and stuff. And it's like, oh man, this is stuff that like it, it definitely left an imprint on me from my you know, early teens. Um, and uh, so, and even though I haven't seen it for a long time, it's like, I still remember what some of these scenes look like. And yeah, uh, yeah. yeah it, yeah, they, they look fantastic, but that's just an art style from that era that I just really love. Um, you know, Chrono Cross also had some, oh, they had some beautiful oh, ones. Yeah. Absolutely astounding Final Fantasy nine. I, I kind yes. of, Man, I'm kind of really excited to mo most recently see that kind of return at least a little bit with um with the creation of uh Fantasian, you know. Yes, and, yeah. Gosh, it's I mean, it's not hand painted, but it's a very similar sort of look and and I don't know, something about that just brings out that 13-year-old in me and I'm like, <laughs> "All right, let's go." <laughs> Nadia, this conversation has been way too civil. And frankly, I'm <laughs> I want to start a fight here. This is way too level headed of a discussion about Legend of Dragoon. We're, we're failing all our listeners who just listen to us I to get ang to get angry. They if were ready you for listen it. to us to get angry, I'm sorry. We we failed you this week. I mean, so I can spice things up a little bit. I mean, because Oh boy, here we go. Uh, so I, I feel like probably the reason that 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 tweet that you sent out got so much uh, it, it rustled so many jimmies, let's say. Yes, is that you called it a clone of Final Fantasy, and I feel like oh, the word clone has a very certain connotation to it, right? Like, sure. and we're talking about a game that was released in the era when RPGs were getting criticized for being turn-based. Meanwhile, like Madden two thousand one, two thousand two, two thousand three, got like perfect scores from like certain magazines, right? And it's like, sure. it's, I mean, so, so when we're talking about like clones, I mean, uh, that's hit, that's poking a pretty old sore for a lot of people, mm, right? That's poking fair. the bear. And, Cat and never I would say that I feel like your, <laughs> your use of the word clone, at least as it relates to Legend of Dragoon, maybe being used a little bit fast and loose there. Well, this is what I will say about that. <laughs> it is clearly made in direct response to Final Fantasy VII, and it picks up a lot of beats from Final Fantasy VII. Mm. It is clear that Sony really wanted to just do a square mm -hmm. with their game. They wanted their own square. And the result, to be charitable, is a second-rate <laughs> knockoff of a square game Maybe it's not a Final Fantasy VII clone per se, but it very much pulls the tropes and the cliches that are so firmly that have been so firmly established for ten years. Sure, I feel point. like I mean, in the wake of Final Fantasy VII, I feel like pretty much every RPG, to some extent, was mm -hmm, sort of yeah. reworked and tweaked. I mean, in the wake of Final Fantasy VII bringing RPGs to the mainstream, I mean. That that was a lot of waves back then, right? Mm -hmm. The 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 mood between the feeling between Wild Arms and Final Fantasy VII could not be any more different. And of course, everything skewed towards the more Final Fantasy VII uh, side of things when, mm -hmm. once that was all said and done. 
Yeah, for sure. I feel like everything that kind of went out in the wake of Seven was kind of a response to Seven. And yes. everything Square kind of put out since Seven was sort of like trying to recapture some of that success, some of that One up it. Yeah. <laughs> Gee whiz, what gives you that impression? Yeah. <laughs> Final Fantasy remake. Hey. <laughs> oh, man. I don't begrudge Legend of Dragoon pulling so directly from Square style from the tropes of the genre that had been clearly established for a long time at that point. I do begrudge it for not really executing on that concept yeah. that mm. well. Mm. I don't remember the cast. The cast was not that interesting. I, was I the cast good? Dart, because his name rhymes yes. with fart, so you don't forget that. But everyone else, <laughs> I don't remember. I remember a few people besides Dart and Kongol and, uh, gosh, was, was the... Uh, the damsel was her name. She, oh gosh, I can't even remember anymore. It's been a I, long. I got time. it up so I can check you at any time. Oh boy, time. here we go. <laughs> okay, I at least got Kongol right then, right? You did get Kongol right. Shauna okay. is Dart's Shauna. childhood friend. Yeah, Rose, Albert, Lavitz, Meru, oh, yeah. Hat. I like Hashel. Um, I'm gonna say that with my most oh, Hashel, southern yeah. accent. Hashel, He's the, the kung fu master, right? Yeah. Uh, he is an elderly man searching for his daughter, according to Mr. Wikipedia. And mm-hmm. Miranda is a magician. That's all she gets. That's her entire personality right there. <laughs> <laughs> Miranda is a magician. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And she's no, the silver haired one, right? I have no clue. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty. Yeah, sure. Uh, the names in here are incredible, though. Again, we've got names like Melbu Frama and Zigfeld, and oh, there's a place called the Moon that Never Sets. So this was way ahead of Kingdom Hearts at the time, you know, <laughs> laying the groundwork. It was Proto Kingdom Hearts. Who's calling you who now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mickey got to get on the phone and get some money over to Sony for that. <laughs> I think what differentiated Legend of Dragoon is first of all, they clearly put a lot of resources into those transformation sequences. And oh, you yeah. know what? For the time, looked pretty dang good back then. I was like, I remember at the time being like, wow, okay, the transformation sequences are good. But it also kind of drove home to me just how uneven the actual visuals were because mm-hmm. they could be very stiff, but then you would have these lavish sequences that kind of went on a little too long. Oh, and the other thing was the battle system. Mm-hmm. Where you had, as you were ex- explaining it, kind of a, you know, kind of a take on the Mario RPG battle system, which at the time, that's something that I wanted. I was, yeah. I wanted a more, I, it was still I wanted a very new idea. The, yeah. I wanted to keep the turn-based action. I, I wanted to keep the turn-based stuff, but I wanted kind of a bit of an action thing. And Legend of Dragoon had that. I also had a hard time executing on it because I think the input delay on my TV was really bad and I didn't know it. Wow. Oh, Wait. What, like back in the day on CRT? Back in or? the day, yeah. No, I mean, wow. maybe it wasn't Maybe it wasn't an input delay issue. I just had t- trouble with the timing. I mean, they were tough. They were yeah. tough. Even like in my most recent playthrough, there's an item you can get that like, it, you do half damage, but you auto-complete all of the uh, all of the additions. It's like, oh yeah, I'll mm-hmm. equip that. Because <laughs> they were tough. They were, they were pretty narrow timings. And that was definitely, they could have been a little more forgiving on that. Or... Or maybe done like with like DDR, where it's like you can get, you know, okay timing or like good or excellent timing. Yeah. Or, you know, that would have been nice. Some sort of forgiveness, I think, would have been nice. My recollection is that the Dragoon forms actually aren't that good. 
Mm. Like you'll get you'll get smashed against bosses in particular. So yeah, you always frequently want to save it's it up better for the boss, just right? to get more of the attacks, like to keep grinding from that, than it is to go into dragoon form. Yeah, you usually use the the dragoon form to like use the magicka abilities because you can't use them otherwise. Mm-hmm. And then once you use all of your your dragon points or whatever, then you revert anyway. That sounds very Breath of Fire. Yeah. When you do transform, you do get full health again, though. So it's also strategic in when you want to do that, too. So you don't want to just, like, jump right into it, either. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of, I guess, strategic elements tied to the ability to heal, which is pretty nice. But those battles, man, they do take forever. I do recall that final boss taking, gosh, it might have been, like, four or five turns, but it felt like seven or eight hours. <laughs> Yeah, just from watching all of the final attacks take out take place and all the that's summons. That's what, what what kind yeah. of gets me is that you can't skip these cinemas, can you? And that was bad enough in 1997 with Final Fantasy VII, but it was kind of inexcusable by 1999-2000. Well, I don't feel like uh, skippable cutscenes really were introduced at least until PlayStation Two. It seems no, that was like the industry's entire failing. Yeah, in Final absolutely. Fantasy Nine. They were like, you still can't skip them, but we will shorten them for you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It'll still take forever. Yeah. We, we'll respect your time, but only a little. <laughs> but only a, we this spent a, a lot of money on these cutscenes, and you're going to watch it every time. This is time. our compromise. <laughs> yeah, I, I respect the desire to be like, no, you, you have no idea how long it took us to make this transformation. You're going to watch it. <laughs> like, no matter how many times you watch it, you have not watched it as often as we have watched it. All right. Uh, so open you're your mouth watch it. it's coming down your throat. <laughs> To your original point, Derek, I understand the feeling of irritation that an RPG fan of that era would feel of this idea that RPGs of 32-bit RPGs were just clones and they weren't original and they were very tropey, which is not true because that was a renaissance of creativity for RPGs from Suikoden to Valkyrie Profile uh, and Final Fantasy VIII, if I'm being totally honest. And heck, even the weirder games like Second, uh, not Second Dead Setsu. What am I thinking? Legend of Mana? Um, I don't know. The Kawazu games. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. The Kawazu games is kind of a banner of its own saga. Yeah, all the saga games. There we go. So there was a lot happening under the hood, right? But. Mm -hmm. Legend yeah. of Dragoon at that time, like, was a it was a pretty bog standard RPG, I want to say, but a bog standard with with uh, Sentai mechanics. Exactly. With Sentai mechanics that does yeah. make it kind of cool. I don't I, dragons. <laughs> what's bog standard about that? <laughs> I don't want to say that it's like would never work. I feel like there's the core of a really good idea here that just was just kind of um, not did not come together in the end, and I. I looked up some information about the development of Legend of Dragoon, but I can't find anything really super juicy about it. Like uh, someone tried to program it with their head and it all went wrong. But just, yeah, I don't know why it turned out so average. Yeah. Like I said, it's just, I think they had a lot of ideas and a lot of money. And, you know, the PlayStation hardware was finicky at best. Yeah, right? it was old by that point, and too. It's fairly hard to execute on all of the things that they want to do, but they had an idea in their head of like, okay, so you have your normal form and you're going to be doing these combo attacks, but then you could also transform and that's more of your like limiters off. You're like going all offense kind of thing. And then trying to balance that around like a, what was it? Like a 60 hour RPG across four discs. And 
that's, that's not easy, you know? Yeah, yeah. I didn't really realize until now how closely Legend Dragoon emulates Breath of Fire in its dragon transformation sequences. And I'm mm. guessing now that there's a reason why in Breath of Fire, traditionally, Ryu is the only one who can transform into a dragon, because that sounds like a lot to manage in terms of uh, programming logistics. That's a really good point. I never put that together either, but yeah. The thing that I find interesting is this game has lasted a long time. People still talk about it. People are demanding a remake yeah, at this I, point. Yeah, I saw that on social media. People mm -hmm. really, really want a remake. Yeah, yeah. Blue point, Whenever there's time. a Sony state of play, there's always begging for a Legend of Dragoon remake. Always. So many yeah, others I are getting a remade. remaster, a bad mm. one. <laughs> I can see a remake. How about how about like a um a, a prequel? That would be nice because oh. Legend of Dragoon does take place after a bunch of other dragoons. Like they're not the first ones. There was like, you know, years and years prior. Like that's the legendary dragoons, right? That'd be pretty cool. That would be cool. That would be a really good opportunity to reset the franchise and make good on it. Yeah. Just make it like an action RPG where you kind of control the dragons a little bit more directly and, you know, still do anime stuff, but you don't got to make it. This is heresy. I know someone out there is going to want my head for this, but you don't got to make it turn based. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, Kat's going to kick you off the show now. Got to make it really hard, too. Eric, you're fired. I want to see something. I'm just saying. You're fired. <laughs> Let's make it the, the Dark Souls of the Legend of Dragoon series. Oh, God. <laughs> Finally. What are you doing? I've kind of, I'm kind of filled up on Dark Souls stuff What's for now. Nomura up to? Can we get Nomura on this? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my God let's no. do that right now. Yeah. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. <laughs> Greatest game of all time. There's not going to be another Kingdom Hearts for like 14 years. It's okay. We'll get... <laughs> oh, my God. You think Sony remembers that they have Legend of Dragoon? And that, that was like a thing. I want them to remember they have wild arms. I like to nice. imagine that it's like one of the poker chips that they use at the weekly like poker game that all of the the big heads of the companies play where they bet with franchises instead of, you know, actual money. And they're like, oh, I, I see you one Legend of Dragoon and raise you a Silent Hill <laughs> like that. No, no, <laughs> that's sad. I'm trying to imagine somebody actually pitching a Legend of Dragoon remake to the people at Blue Point and having them being like, what? <laughs> no, we're not doing this at a 50 hour RPG. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I can see them. I can see someone taking it on and making a decent remake out of it. They're doing KOTOR. They're doing. There you uh, go. They, they're KOTOR still working Star on Star Wars, man. Come on. Yeah, yeah but this Disney is money. dragons. Everybody's into dragons now. Yeah, I've always been into dragons. As soon as we see, you know, Ronin Warriors come back to Toonami, maybe. Exactly. That will be the time. That will be the signal. That'll bring be the back moment, As they said in Ghostbusters. Bring back cry. Zodiac Knight, Saint Seiya. Get the Ronin Warriors back oh, in. Saint Seiya, there you go. We got to build, build the, what was the Vita thing? It was build the list or building the list or whatever. This is, we're going to set out the plan for Legend of Dragoon to come back. Bring a Bowling for Soup in for the opening song. Exactly. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> That anime-ass song sung by Bowling for Soup. Oh, man. The Legendary Dragoon. Well, a good idea. That's a monkey paw game. Because they're going to announce it. And it's going to be an open world exploration game with just one character. But they can transform into a dragoon. Right? And et cetera, et cetera. It's the same old nonsense. It'll be basically goes to Tsushima. But, you know, with this new character. You somehow accidentally make Immortals Phoenix Rising again. It was really weird. <laughs> As long as it's not a gotcha, I'm okay, I guess. That's what you got to hope for these days. That's what happened to my beloved Breath of Fire. It's oh, back as a Genshin Impact guest character. 
Oh no, that's the most cursed thing ever at all day. Why, Eric? Is it at least on Steam? I don't think it is. I don't think, it I think it's anywhere. Yeah. I can get them the Vita. It's on the PS1 store, of course. But oh, Unfortunately, yeah. it's somewhat difficult to find these days, which yeah. is a travesty. Everybody should be able to play this game and find out that it doesn't hold up. So it's a collector's <laughs> item, is what you're saying. This is for education, people. Let's get, let's get on this. This is what I'm going to say about Legend of Dragoon. I don't personally like it, but I am very happy to see that there is still a dedicated community around this game that still care about it deeply to the point that they're like starting podcasts about it. There are fan projects to remaster it and make it better. And like I said, when I was apologizing for my tweet, I will never, I, I shouldn't have punched down. I shouldn't have gone out and said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to attack this very fervent and passionate community that loves an RPG. That is against the blood God. I agree. Blood God was shaking it their head at that action. And, you know, I I feel bad. And I wanted to say, I am sorry to you, Legend of Dragoon community. I hope that you get your remake, that your your real remake that you deserve. I hope that you get your re-release. I hope you get your day in the sun. I agree. Because Legend of Dragoon, it's an RPG. And you know, we love it. Come on. Get get in here, Legend of Dragoon. I'm going to give you a <laughs> oh, big huddle. Yeah, I feel the same way. It's not really my thing. I remember how the hype was there. I didn't really live up to the hype for me. But like I said earlier, it was somebody's first, as we know, talking to Derek. And that means a lot to the people who were there at the time. And all RPGs are good. You don't have to like every single one, but they're still Well, good. not all RPGs. but A yeah. lot of RPGs. But we're going to give it the benefit of the doubt. Okay. <laughs> this one fair. is not bad say that much it won't kill you derek do you have any final thoughts i was gonna say when you said there's no bad rpgs i was like i don't it's know like i could show you some <laughs> lord of the rings volume one on super nintendo's pretty oh, boy. Oh. Oh. didn't we talk about that cat on our oh lord of the we rings? didn't we should have made that part of the summer of the oh, rings shouldn't I, we? yeah that, that sounds like it was a i know that the hobbit had a really terrible game on the snes but i didn't really play any of the lord of the ring games all right well that is it for our discussion on Legend of Dragoon, I would love to hear from more of you. What are your thoughts on Legend of Dragoon? Why does it still stand out? Why do you? Why is it still in your heart? It's an RPG that you love. Is it just the Super Sentai kind of aspects of it? The transformation sequences, the battle system, that kind of thing? Or is it something a little deeper? Just tell me. Cat at bloodgodpod.com or send me a DM on Twitter to talk some more about Legend of Dragoon. In the meantime, that is it for this week's episode of Acts of the Blood God. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, go ahead and leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. Eric is at CMoosey. And Derek, you're a special guest. Please go ahead and promote some stuff. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Super Derek. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Twitter at uh, SuperDerekRPGs and I'm on YouTube.com slash SuperDerek. And I'll see you guys there. Thank you so much for having me on. That oh, was great to have you. Yeah. Yeah, right on. A lovely discussion. And hey, you're talking about Trails to Azure. We need more people who can talk about Trails on this podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> we will have you back. Don't worry. It's a threat, not a promise. And of course, you can find us on patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where there is tons of extra content for you. And hey, it's what keeps this podcast going. And we appreciate all of your support. 
You are all amazing. We'll be back next week, as always, to talk more about RPGs, specifically, probably, Shin Megami Tensei V. Maybe not. Maybe we'll give it one more week after that. But until then, for Nadia, Eric, and myself, and also Derek, thanks for listening. Happy adventuring.